Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Thank you, Davis. I think I could just stand here and listen to David play for another hour and be all right with me. Just adding all that sweetness to the wind in here. Well, I want to I wanna talk to you. I, you know, I'm just going to go right ahead and uh, turn to my scripture that I've, I've marked for this morning while, while we get the sound adjusted and, uh, and uh, all the standing waves out of the room. I, I tell you, this, yeah, you, you guys uh, really accomplish a great feat by even having the kind of worship you have in a room like this. This, this thing is built to reflect and uh, and so I, my hat is off to the sound man back there. Uh, you, ever, you ever notice that sound men never get any attention unless something goes wrong? <laughs> so it's a good idea sometimes on Saturday night, all you worship leaders, send the sound, sound man some flowers on Saturday night but before the next day. But here's where I, what I want to talk about today, and, it, and I don't think the Holy Spirit could have possibly set it up any better. And it, it's uh, it just, just, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. And uh, that, that is what um, D.L. Moody was experiencing. And blessed are those who know this and actually, actually have opportunity in their life to experience the joyful sound. Now, the joyful sound is not an emotion, just an emotion expressed. The joyful sound is a part of the artillery of God, and it's a part of the artillery of heaven to bring the joyful sound of the light of heaven into a dark world that does not know that light. And that's one of the reasons everything significant in the kingdom always was born out of a sound or birthed a sound. So that's when, you know, when, uh, when creation began, it was out of the voice of God. He, he, de- he declared matter into existence, light into life, matter, and, and matter became the mysteries that we live in today, all about this world and the way matter responds to the, to the voice of God still, and, uh, and which basically tells us that, that if it's matter, which that means it has weight and occupies space, it is vibrating at a particular frequency. So every tree, every rock, every stone, every, everything that is matter is, is still responding to the voice of God out there as the Lord sustains or upholds all of creation by the authority of his voice. So when we know the authority of his voice, what we're doing is we're stepping into over, over that, that people will know the joyful sound because that word sound is our voice and his doing what we were created to prophesy, doing what we were created to preach. I want to show you, show you where I'm going with this. Uh, this. This body, this church right here, is right now presently stepping into a whole other realm in the sound realm. Uh, you already have this incredible gift, grace and anointing, and I don't use the word grace loosely or anointing. But you have this gift, you have this grace on you, and, a, and grace is not just unmerited favor. 
Grace is a, now listen to this definition, a divine infusion of God's enablement upon you as a people to do what God put you in the earth to do and release the sound that you were born to carry out of the heaven realm into this one to accomplish what God sends it to do. So grace is not just, well, we don't deserve it. Well, yes, we do not deserve it. But grace is a divine infusion. It's something God's doing. And that, and blessed are those who become acquainted with and walk in an authority with a, a knowing of this joyful sound that is in heaven desiring to invade the earth because God is turning you into those that will invade this earth with the sound of heaven. He's going to cause you to invade these streets with the sound of heaven. He's going to cause the buildings that you sing in to take on new graces and anointings. He's going to cause the families that you sing to and around to begin to experience God in ways they never have. You're carrying the sound of harvest, and you're also carrying the sound of holiness. And so God's going to, uh, going to redefine with a new sound and a new song. What if the revival that's coming is not about some big explosive event where the top blows off, but it's really about just a bunch of people who know heaven and it is so dearly in them that they're carrying the sound of heaven. Therefore, they move in peace and holiness and it becomes light to a dark world that is completely caught up in the pandemonium and the chaos of their realm. And in the middle of that, there will be those that are walking around like representations, if you will. Like not just finding the thin places where God has done something, but becoming a thin place where God does something. Does that make sense? Now listen, the kind of singing that you guys are carrying, and the kind of sound that you carry in this house, that is unique to this orchestra, this uh, symphony of voice, and symphony of DNA, Something very healing happens when you worship in spite of your weariness and you praise louder than your pain. It also affects those around you that, that are in need. So the Lord is going to give you a grace to create such high winds of praise that it's going to dislodge hurting humanity from the bogs and the moorlands of their desperation. And you're going, to be, you're going to sing and set people to praise him. Remember yesterday I was talking about one of the, one of the anointings on uh, uh, Lucy's life. But I see it on uh, 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 Angela and, and, and many, all of you guys. What God's given you is the ability to worship in such a way that the overflow of your worship becomes contagious in other people's lives. And it's, and it's as much about who you are in God, it's more about who you are in God rather than what this world is that's trying to invade you. Accompaniment, you're getting ready to go, uh, you're, well, let, let me finish my, that thought. Cause them to hear your notes so loud and so clear that they will awaken to the song that they were born to sing. You have been a, a, a people who have, I, I'll just say it like this, you guys have just mastered the, the accompaniment for singing. You know, there's a, um, a real special anointing on you to just put sound out there and it make everybody wants to sing. There's something about everybody just wanting to respond, even in spite of whatever their background is. They come into this house, and when the singing starts, it's our song. 
And that's about to increase in a pretty dramatic way. I love, there's a little guy up here a few minutes ago, a little bit upset at the birthday song. Y'all remember the little guy that was up here? I think he's gone somewhere now, but, but he, he kind of didn't want to be here. And he got up there, kind of didn't want to be there, and he was upset. But you know what? As soon as the song started, his feet did too. <laughs> yeah, did you notice that? I thought, it's, it's, that's, who, that's who he is. Your feet got to move when that happens. Your heart's got to respond when that happens. Mine says, this ain't the place for me. Now, now that is my attempt at dancing, not anybody else's. Anytime, I just want you to know, when I dance, joy comes. Just, just like it just did, you know. <laughs> but blessed are the people who know and experience, have, have a relational uh, a, a relational reality in their life that something comes alive in their spirit when the sound is released. Now there's an accompaniment for singing that's already here. But but accompaniment for singing which you, that you guys create so beautifully is lyric and vocal based. Right? And, and a lot of our theology, it's theology based. Our belief systems, what you're going to believe about this week is going to be carried out in a lyric out of this room. Because you were brought into this house, God sows a word into you that now you will walk out in song. I mean, how many of us all week, ain't no grave going to hold my body down. We're going to be singing that with every conflicting situation that comes at us. There's going to be a song that is suddenly remembered, realized, and blessed and empowered are those that know the sound of the truth that will stand in the face of adversity. Does that make sense? So it's our theology is based on the songs that we sing. That's why it was important to, to uh, um, excuse me, let me, let me think of it here. Uh, speak to one another. Speak to one another in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. That means we come together in the house of the Lord and the New Testament reality is to engage in those lyrics that transform us because they're truth. Now we can stand up here and talk about science facts and stuff, but facts inform, truth transforms. So when we're singing and speaking and releasing truth into the atmosphere, whatever is opposing that truth is being dealt with in the spirit realm when it goes beyond accompaniment for singing because there, there's three expressions that I see across, across the nation, the nations today as we travel around. We see that some churches are really founded in accompaniment, singing. And uh, typically those that are, that, that's the only expression of who they are. You know, remember there's three, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But I want to remind you guys, there's three kinds of songs as well. There's man-to-man -man songs, there's man-to-God songs, and there's God-to-man songs. And the Lord's about to accelerate all three of those into a cyclical orbital thing that's going to carry his presence. And you think you're going to be singing to man and what you're doing is you're awakening man and man's going to sing unto God and God's going to sing unto man and man's going to sing unto him. And, and, and all of them are right. All of them are right. But because all of them are a language that expresses spirit. Okay? You can get trapped in the man-to-man -man stuff and try to meet somebody only emotionally and only intellectually. 
But what happens is, is you alert them and bring them alive to a, to, to a truth. And then that thing starts happening. And, and, you know, really what's happening is, is you're creating atmosphere so the sound of this house goes into the heaven realm and out from, then out from under the throne comes that water, that life, that river flowing out of there, creating atmospheres here. And it's almost like a convection in the spirit realm that takes place. Uh, I don't get too far deep into that, but I just want you to know the, the other kind of song is immersion. And that's uh, immersion music is kind of when a lot of times there's just a, a sound put in the room and everybody's just Im, Im, immersing themselves in the frequencies and the tones and the melodies and so on. And that's where you'll see a lot of times things we don't really understand about church today in some places in the world. It's, it's when I call immersion music, I just, that's where they just play and sway. And it's play, sway, and pray. You ever see, you, you can go down, right now if you go down Facebook this morning, you'll see 50 churches swaying. And the band is playing. Y'all are taking it to another place. That engagement that cannot be stopped is because you're, you're putting enough water in the room for everybody to walk on instead of swaying. Because there's a supernatural sound coming to this house that's going to lift people up. Let me, can I talk about that just a second? This supernatural thing that's coming, and man, I, I'm going to mess with some of us' head, and it's all right. But this, this supernatural thing that's coming is going to be one of those things that lifts us up. Um, like a lot of musicians... We think the musicians are going to do our worshiping. And because they're so skilled and so good at it, we can almost sometimes cocoon ourselves away in their expression. And we're cocooned away. But then then it's not about them doing their job good. It's because what they're, what they're here for is to create the water in the room for you to walk in on. You, they're not going to do your worshiping. And also, they're not going to do your prophesying. And I, I, I've been in a, I was in a, a situation one time where this, where this uh, weird uh, witch doctor kind of a person was bragging about uh, levitation, you know, defying gravity and, 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 and this dark levitation thing. And I, I said, I'm not impressed. I have a God who levitates the entire world with the sound of his voice. And not just somebody coming up off the ground a little bit for about two, three minutes. The entire planet, the entire, all the galaxies within every solar system, the whole, all of creation is sitting there trembling, levitated, upheld by the authority of, uh, of his desire, his intent, just being sung with a note that sustains all things. So you ain't going to impress me by getting some fella off the ground for a couple of minutes. There's an anointing coming upon this house to lift people up out of and off of this earthly realm and cause them to defy the gravity of the enemy trying to hold them down. There are families that have been held down and held down and held down for generation after generation by the weight of yesterday's woundings and today's curses. 
And that is going to be broken over people's lives that come in this house. And, and some of you that have, ha that have been forced to, just out of endurance, keep singing the song, keep singing the song, worshiping in spite of your weariness, praise louder than your pain. You keep doing that year after year, year after year. Well, now it's time for the breakthrough that dislodges you from the very curses that have held you and your family for generations. And some of you are, some of you are even part of the worship ministry around here and part of the uh, deacons and serving this house and loving God and living for God. I'm just telling you, this is a season that that immersion is not going to just be about sway and pray. It's going to be about rising up into a new day. And uh, I want you to hear that as a prophetic proclamation over you and your, uh, over you and your life. And then there's another kind of music, which is activation. You guys carry a, a special grace for the activation music. That means activating truth. When you get one of these spontaneous lyrics and you realize the weightiness of it as a truth, like David did this morning, and he stepped up and he brought that truth into the room, and everything shifted in such a way that we, we went after that truth and we reach into that truth. And it's an activation of that truth that now will be walked out and lived out. It's prophetic. Activation music is typically prophetic and spontaneous in nature. And that's why it will many times have the natural tendencies which are in you as a people for antiphonal response. Which is the way David would have sung. David in those days, they didn't, ha they didn't have an overhead projector or a screen or anything like that. So... Uh, it, it, would, it would be like the old, old uh, solfege shape note singing, sacred harp kind of days. They didn't have hymn books, but they're going to sing. It, it, or it might be kind of like uh, what happened in, the, in, in that slave camp up on, on, a, on the border of, of North Carolina and Virginia back in the slavery days not on our, in our part of the world when that dark demon was walking free. And that's what it was. It wasn't a political thing. It wasn't just a monetary thing. It was a demon. And that's what slavery is. It's a demon when man is holding man hostage to their stuff, right? Well, in the, in the midst of that, God began to move in this old slave camp. And uh, there was a, uh, and the preachers back then, they, many, most, most of them couldn't even read. But they had someone that could read sitting on the front row. And they'd read the word of God. And when they'd speak the word of God, the preacher would preach it. And that's how they would sing. And, uh, and, uh, and one night laying in that camp, it was a, in one of those old shanties, there's an old uh, Aunt Hattie was laying there uh, remembering what the preacher had preached. So she was applying and activating that as a truth in her life. And she's laying there about midnight, couldn't go to sleep, thinking about that word, thinking about that truth. And so she just started singing it because that was her natural response to truth. And uh, so in this dark silence over here, all of a sudden, ain't had his voice was heard. She said, we are. And everybody was alerted. They heard the voice of ain't had it. Then she said, we are. And then somebody else said, we are. They answered. Climbing, climbing. Jacob's Jacob ladder, ladder, we are, we are climbing, climbing. And 
pretty soon all of these harmonies and everything just started to flow out of their lives. And they knew they had to sing because they're going to see Aunt Hattie's next day. And if Aunt Hattie sings, you sing. It, it wasn't something like you necessarily had a choice. It was who you were when you heard a word to respond and carry it as a song. And, and of course, it's a song about that divine connection between heaven and earth. She was singing heaven into that place, depositing truth into their future and putting a hope in their life. And there's a lot of folks out there walking the street today that need to be hearing the songs of hope, the songs of joy. And they need to be, and, and you're absolutely right. When I think it was Angela that was saying a little while ago, we're singing these truths like a river right out of this building into the streets. But it's because we have access to the throne room of heaven. We can sing those songs that are flowing out from under the throne. We put them in the streets. The most powerful tool of evangelism the church has ever had is worship. And the overflow of the worship. Do you know the church was born like that? The church was born out of the overflow of a worship service. And out of that worship, when the sound hit the streets, they added thousands daily. Remember the upper room? Prayer and worship, the sound, when it got out into the streets, they added thousands. I, I, I had the joy of standing on those very steps and preaching. I think either a year ago today or a year ago yesterday. And But activation of truth. Prophetic, spontaneous, antiphonal. What I'm telling you is, is in the same way that like uh, bands like the Beatles or the U2 or all these bands that are out there, what they're doing is they're creating a language and, that everybody sings and it comes on the radio. The first thought is, I should have written that song. Man, I should have written that song because it becomes an expression of, uh, of something our life's going through, right? What if we were experiencing so much life in this house? That when our songs are released, people would say, I should have. In other words, they come alive and alerted to who they are. That's, what, that's how prophetic songs work. And then, of course, the last thing is, uh, the fourth thing that you guys have been blessed especially with is the foundation of prayer. Because saturating all, either whether it be accompaniment music, immersion music, or activation music, whether it be psalms, hymns, or spiritual songs, whether it be man to man, man to God, or God to man, it's going to be born out of the prayer that's in the house. Because prayer is the yearning, the appealing to God, the asking, the seeking, and the knocking that becomes your lyric. It's adoration. It's born out of contrition, a broken and contrite spirit. Uh, <clears throat> uh, years ago, uh, I remember... Um, my granny used to, uh, uh, on bath day, we, we live in a two-room house, 13 of us in a two-room house, and uh, had a spring about 50 yards away from the house, had a lean-to kitchen built on the back of the house. That sort of tells you the environment that I was raised in, in a holler in Kentucky. And I remember that on bath day, my granny would, there was an old chester door, like a dresser. Does a dresser mean anything to y'all? Yeah, like a dresser with a mirror and drawers. And on top of that old dresser, the dresser was so old that the finish had turned black on it, you know. And uh, I think at one time it might have been oak or whatever, but it was just it's that old black finish, how they'll get, you know. And she would walk over to that thing 
and she would uh, open the lid on that, and she'd reach out and pull out this big old powder puff. It, was a, it, was a, it looked like a hubcap off a UFO or something. I don't know. It, it was a huge, big old thing. And, she, it, and she'd take that powder and whoop, whoop. She'd start hitting herself with this powder puff, and the whole room would just fog. You could just see the, this fog go across the room. In front of the window, you know, you'd just see it going by the, the, those curtains. And, uh, and if you, uh, and that old dresser would just be covered with that powder. And she'd get through hitting herself with that powder puff. You could walk over, you could write your name on the dresser. As a matter of fact, I think that might be where I learned how to write my name. And, but if you take that box and turn it upside down, and you look at the bottom of it, let me put the lid on it, turn it upside down, you look at the, the, ma the number one ingredient is contrite. You think, what in the world is contrite? Contrite is nothing more than stone. It's gravel. It's rocks. It's rocks that have been ground so fine. It was ground so fine that you can lay it on your hand and blow it all over the room. And as a matter of fact, when the Lord says he's looking for that one of a broken and contrite heart to do mighty exploits in the earth with, he's looking for those that have been ground so fine that there's no mixture, there's no resistance, there's nothing. But he can lay you on his hand and blow you wherever in the earth you need to be. And then the beautiful part is, is he's going to walk up and write his name in what you have become. It's going to be his name and his nature realized because you have lost your identity and you've actually lost your self-imposed unsanctified ambitions and you've taken up the ambitions of the kingdom to the point that you can be blown as contrite over people's lives. Prayer is adoration, contrition, and petition and thanksgiving. And prayer does not have to be continually con constrained and confined to crying out to God. Don't ever let what you long for become what you strive for. Hear me. Don't let what you long for become what you strive for. It's not about striving. It's about God honoring the longing in your heart that he's put there with his goodness. And it's not about your endurance to endure the things that the world tries to bring at you. It, it's not about your endurance, though we must endure sometime, right? It's not about our endurance. It's about his faithfulness. And until we can say like George Whitfield, George Whitfield said right down the road here, he said, he said, I am immortal until my job is done. And we might as well know that, yes, there's a grace of God and the faithfulness of God will become our endurance until our job is done. But until our job on this side is done, we sing it louder and we sing it louder and we sing it louder. Prayer should always be dressed in this in the language and images that best sing your truest heart. Not do you have any idea how much lofty pretense there's probably going on in church circles and even five miles of this place today? And I'm not being critical toward that. I'm just saying, if there's a new song coming, there's a new song coming. 
he knows the truest you and the, and lofty pretense is always it, it don't have honest beauty in it anyway wonder will always find its purest notes in the simplest of prayers and and our our simple prayer is most of the time it's oh god help now when i talk about those three kinds of song, songs I, I, if you don't mind I don't want to just teach this morning. I want you to hear what I'm saying as a prophecy to this house. I'm telling you, creativity, just like prophecy, takes courage. And God's about to infuse you with the courage to move prophetically in ways you've never moved before. There's, there are creatives. Creative prophetics are those that are always alert. A creative is always alert to new ideas and options and solutions. What I was talking about yesterday was what ifs. That are born, that are that are can be born, or dreams can be born in those moments. Well, what if we turn that into an, a prophetic mantle here for a minute? You know, the, the prophets, the prophetic people, they're the ones that are alert to the new expressions of God's glory. Things that we don't ha- don't necessarily have theology for, maybe never experienced in God before, but when He speaks and declares and does, I mean, He He put. When he would speak to a nation, it was for, for three, through the prophets, it was for three reasons. Prophetic is always about, it can be predicting the future, but it can also be creating the future. Anybody know the third one? Preventing the future. There are things to be prophesied in this house that's going to prevent the calamity that's going to come right down the road. In this house, the sensitivity of the singers not just being alert to the things that we need as the people of God, but are suddenly going to be, have visions, see visions, trances. You're going to have prophetic words that are going to flow out of you that's going to stay the hand of the enemy for something that could take place eight, ten blocks from here. And the Lord given give it to you in such a way that it was absolutely shut down the diabolical, demonic strategy of the enemy to bring death and destruction. You're going to give. You're going to begin to give, be given power over death, sickness, and disease. You're going to come in here into atmospheres of unity, and out of uh, that oil is going to flow down you, and you're going to have the authority to cancel death. Look at the psalm and see if it was not. If psalm 33 was not about the cancellation of the appointment of death. That's what unity is. That's 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 first, third, and fifth. That's the three notes coming together in such a way to release a sound that the enemy cannot invade and he cannot overcome. He is overwhelmed. His strategies are put to naught because of the things that the people in this house are going to find out of the unity of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Prophets, be alert. I'm not, you know, we always want to create, ever since the 80s, we've always, always in danger of just, the 80s was a tidal wave where everybody had to have a title. Remember that? I'm telling you, it's not about titles and positioning. It's about purity of heart and the power of the presence of the Lord prophesying to situations in this culture that need to experience God, and God is looking for a people that will choose to live their lives bigger than church and change the world with what they're carrying. And that's why a new sound and a new song is coming to this house. And... uh, uh, and, creatives and prophets alert to the ideas, options, solutions. See, where there's greater tension in a culture, there'll be a greater release of glory. 
We think, look what the devil's getting away with in people's lives. Well, that's tension in the heart of humanity. Now God's going to raise up the warriors that will release a greater glory. Greater the tension, greater release. Like an arrow being fired into this culture. You'll come in here and the songs that you sing are going to actually become prophecies that will be confirmed in the newspaper within 24 hours of the time you sing the prophetic song. That's not going to be down there on some sweet by and by thing. I'm telling you next week. I'm telling you tomorrow. I'm telling you this afternoon. I'm telling you within the next four days. I'm telling you now is the time. Now is the time. God, God is bringing people from all the directions of the earth to this place. He's not bringing them here to, to let them wallow in the darkness of humanity. He's bringing them here because he has a strategy to arrest the hearts of humanity. Set a song free and you'll liberate the, the, the whole deal, right? If this is going to be that apostolic center for all the nations to come, that's because if it's truly apostolic, it's not about them coming, it's about them being sent. So they're going to be sent out of here carrying the gospel to the nations because of what they experience of God here. And it's going to start somewhere, and I'm declaring to you, it's going to start here. It's going to start in a people who know the sound, who know the joyful sound, who know the joyful, that word is also translates ruah. It's the word shout. Those who know a joyful shout that rattles things in the heaven realm and changes things in the earthly realm. Because when the children of Israel marched around there seven times, why did they do it seven times? Because they had a strategy that God had given, a word, seven times. If they had done it eight times or six times, it'd be like the hitting the arrows on the ground thing. You do what God says. Oh, wait, it don't make sense to, to walk around there seven times and holler. What's that going to change? Well, out of obedience from an encounter, they did. They walked seven times, seven days, seven, 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 seven. And when they aligned themselves with the rhythm of God in that circular motion, setting in motion the truth that they've been given prophetically, then they watched God do something that only God can do. But it didn't happen until the joyful shout, ruah, happened. And it was, and if you look at the Hebrew foundation of that word, it literally means to split the ear is what it means. It wasn't one of those charismatic cheerleading deals that you see at a lot of conferences. Well, let's all give the Lord a shout. Yeehaw. Okay, now let's do something else and move on. I would not want somebody singing to me a truth with, with that kind of shallowness. God is looking for a people that will not yeehaw in a charismatic conference somewhere. He's looking for a people that are carrying a passion, feet on the grounds, obedient, obedient to the truth, walking in sacrificial obedience, taking the steps nobody else would take, and releasing a shout that no one could even tolerate because they said when he shout with a great shout, shout with a great shout, two shouts. Shout, the great shout is a different word. That's the battle cry of God agreeing from heaven with what was shouted here. So that means when heaven shouts, we shout. And when you shout, heaven shouts. That means we're carrying something on this earthly realm that is not just about this earthly realm. What if God, what if God is going to raise up an army of people who know how to release a G-note into the room? 
and everything that God ever intended for that tone, frequency, and sound to ever be. What if, what if God, uh, we, we know that there are, you, you know, the sound men back there, if he had the right gear in here, you can take a tone generator with a 30W electro voice speaker, 30-inch bass speaker, low-end speaker, you can pr actually produce notes in this room we can't even hear because it's subsonic below our hearing or ultrasonic above our hearing. But you can take a tone generator and a 30W in this building and fire a note off that we can't hear, but it'll move this building off of its foundation. Wow. And sometimes, you ever felt that stuff? There's, there's a, a matter responds, right? I mean, sometimes you'll be sitting in a place where there's a, where the, where the, those low ends kick in and you can feel it on your leg, feel the hair on your leg moving, you know. Not you ladies, of course, but, <laughs> or you, or you can feel it in your heart, you know. <laughs> you ever, you ever feel it, feel the bass in your chest, feel the bass in your arms, the hair on your arms. It's because there's frequency and waveform coming across the room and matter is responding to it. And that's, that in the natural is also a picture in the spirit realm that can take down what happened at Jericho. Obstacles became opportunities. The enemy's boundaries became bridges for God's people to take things. There's sounds coming alive within the musicians of this room that are beyond our musical knowings and our musical education. There's a sound from heaven coming and those that will respond to that because they know that is the sound of the voice of God to humanity, they'll begin to carry an anointing that will redeem, renew, repair, and restore. Creativity or prophecy takes courage, you guys. Are you, are you courageous enough to face the own mockery of your own mind to release the sound that's in your heart? We over-scrutinize and we begin to Confuse the spirit realm with our own critical spirit against, oh yeah, but, you know, I don't know. We, we begin to talk ourselves in and out of these things. The Lord is going to come in such a way that man will not be able to resist. Harvest is coming to London. There's going to be a greater release because there's greater tension in the spirit realm here. There'll be greater release, therefore greater the impact. And let me, let me talk about this for just a second. This is not church's usual crowd. This is a people created for impact. And impact tells me, impact is, sounds percussive to me. Don't you? Percussive. Impact. Strike the string. Strike the drum. Strike the ground. Strike. That's impact. And, you know, you can take a note. You can step up and take a microphone and one note, impact the room and change things. Now, that's impact, and it'll always be percussive. It'll be dynamic. You guys have an incredible gift for the dynamic impact. But then influence is different. Influence, impact sounds percussive. Influence sounds fluid. That means it's a river. And the influence will flow out of this house into government. The influence are going to, is going to flow out of this church, out of this house, 
and into the media. The influence is going to flow out into the medical world. The influence is going to flow because you're impacting something in the spirit. God is going to in, invade and engage in, 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 and engage uh, culture. All, if, if you think about all the, y'all, y'all are familiar with the seven mountain teaching. Are you familiar with the seven mountain? Okay, I've, I, what are they? Anyway. Education, medical, uh, political, government. What's the others? Those. All right. (laughs) David took all of them. Right? And the reason David took all of them is because he knew that there was an eighth mountain. Everybody knows about the seven mountains. But the seven mountains will not be taken out of man's strategy and political positioning and, and figuring out how to move culture with this and, and capture the seven mountains. There's an eighth mountain. David took it first. If we don't have Zion, we won't have the place. There's a mountain of worship. There's a mountain of the presence of the Lord. There's a mountain where blessed are those that know the sound of that mountain. Because the sound is what will rightly align all, all of those other because of the truth that they carry and the sound that they carry. Impact, influence, fluid, flowing. And the way that you're going to move with impact and influence is because you're going to carry inspiration. And inspiration is, uh, I'm, I'm going to hurry along with this. Inspiration can be that inspiring, that that truth that is so inspiring to you that it inspires others. Imagination makes room for all the what-ifs that you're born to carry. And as you come here and you carry the inspired Word of God, inspired poetry, inspired music. Do you know when, when Jesus met the woman at the well, that's, that's what she said to him. Finally, when she started hearing in this public encounter, she started, he started speaking out of I've talked to you about it before, so I'm not going to make it a long thing. But remember, the woman at the well is sitting at the well, and all of a sudden she runs into this homeless guy at the well. She don't know who this is. Some homeless guy sitting down at the well. And then out of that conversation, he begins to speak. And when he begins to speak into her life, she's, she is now alerted to, wait a minute, why is this guy talking to me, and why is he talking out of his head? Homeless guys do that sometimes. And he, why, you know, the, uh, I'll give you water. Give me a drink of water. Why would he ask her for a drink of water? He, uh, he, he could have called the water up out of the well and walked on it if he had wanted to. It's Jesus, right? But instead, he engages and begins almost interrogating her in this conversation. In other words, engaging. And out of that engagement, then he starts speaking and he says, you know, um, I'll tell you what, I, I can give you water that you'll never, ever thirst again. Well, what, wait a minute, you don't, da, 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 da. and then, again, the short version of it is, uh, go, uh, go get your, uh, your husband, you know. And, uh, well, uh, and then he says, well, no, you've had five husbands, and number six, laying at home on the couch ain't doing anything for you either while you're down here drawing water. <laughs> so, number six is the number of humanity. 
man has never satisfied the need and the thirst in you. You don't know. You're sitting in the presence of number seven. Number seven is completion. And while you're sitting in the presence of number seven at the well, then the truth comes out. And what was that truth? Oh, I perceive that thou art a poetese, an inspired storyteller, an inspired poet, storyteller, prophet. All of them are the same word. So he's speaking out of the sensitivities and the creative process, and he, he takes his imagination and, and sacred intuition and accesses the desires of the Father and begins to speak what he sees and what he hears. And I'm declaring over this house on this day that there's going to be an explosive acceleration of the anointing for us inspired prophetic storytellers to sit in places of business at the wells of this culture and just begin to speak and watch God open up the life-giving water that's been hidden in old religion. Remember what she wanted to do? Well, our fathers on this mountain did a... They want to get into all this conflict and controversy around it. She didn't have time. He spoke to her spirit and awakened the worship in her, and she came alive to what she was created to be. And it's not about, and we always tell the story as the, about the woman at the well. No. What we need is the Jesus at the well. You're not supposed to be ever again the woman at the well. You are Jesus at the well. You are the one inspired to carry prophetic truths and destiny in your arsenal and in your artillery. And when you speak out of that place, people will not just hear things about things and stuff about stuff. They're going to hear forever words that will change their forever. In Jesus' name, I speak that over your life today. Today is not just a day at church. Today is a day for re-aligning re, uh, the reason that, we've, that he's put the sound in us. All right? Now let's, let's start closing because it takes me an hour and a half to close. <laughs> Some prophetic words carry immediate and profound impact in the spirit in the spirit realm and in the natural. And uh, that's that predict, create, remember, and prevent. And the reason God would send, when, 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 uh, when God's people would go whoring after other gods and the worship would cease, that's when God would raise up a prophet coming down into the culture that would give a word to prevent the famine in their future and release the favor if the people would align to the purposes of God. That was one of the great purposes for the prophetic, right? God wants to anoint this house for that. There are some things coming. There are some tragedies coming, and I'm not using some fear tactic, I'm telling you. There are some tragic things that the enemy has already turned his cannons toward, toward London in ways London has never experienced. And I'm telling you guys, there is a sound that can shut that thing down and reawaken and bring a right alignment to the spirit realm. There are dark things that are already on the prowl. And, 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 it, and it will be in places. The enemy has already set things in place, in place, in places that are historically known to be places where truth ruled and truth reigned and truth awakened the hearts of God's people. 
And in some of those very places are the very places that the enemy has, has set detonators and set disaster in place. But there's a people, as God causes you to walk, knowing the very plans of the enemy. Wait a minute. This is, a, this is going weird on us here. No, this is going biblical on us. Let me tell you, God is looking for a people, companies of people, that will be able to see the strategies of the enemy and not be moved by that. But they'll raise their eyes above the disaster. Look at all those war, look at all those things that are coming against us. Look at all the darkness that's yet to come. And then the, the prophet said, no, look, Lord, open the eyes of my servant. Open the eyes of the prophets. Open their eyes and let them see what's really going on. They raise their eyes above what the enemy had planned as their demise and look straight into the delight of God. And what was it? All the way around that mountain, there were horses and chariots of fire and warring angels and every power of heaven sitting there waiting for a people that will see what God wants them to see rather than the darkness and living in fear. No, you look above that and you break that, the back of the enemy of the future. And what happened next? The prophecies begin to move and here comes the sound. And the sound was born out of the feet of four lepers, about 60 pounds apiece, with not enough strength in their, in their natural being to do anything. And they're just walking and, they walk, and the, God causes their feet to sound like hundreds of thousands of warriors and chariots. And the enemy just jumps up and whoops the hide off of each other. All the spoil, all the provision, all of the, all, everything needed for, for God's people who had been in famine was now supplied because four little leprous guys that hadn't even heard the prophecy began to carry out the fulfillment of the prophecy. Wow. Everything that is in your future, resisting, trying to, do, trying to bring destruction, we put it on notice today. Because there's a prophetic people going to walk with uh, and know the sound that they're walking in. The sound of their feet will sound like thunder before their enemies. The sound of your feet are going to sound like thunder before your enemies. Oh, goodness gracious. In a few days, you'll hear in the newspaper about what's happened. You know, about a year a year ago, about right now, we were in uh, we were in Wales, and and we were getting ready to leave Wales, and we were in Milford Haven, and we were sitting in a hotel, looking out across the bay, and there was a, some leaders that were there sitting there having breakfast with us before we set sail to Ireland on a on a ferry, and uh, they just said very candidly. Well, what, what do you think God's saying uh, to Wales? And I said, I don't know. There's so much. God's always speaking to Wales. If you're in Wales, there's nowhere that's not beautiful, and every waking moment is a divine appointment if you want it to be. And I said, there's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always full of expectation and anticipation and, and, and healthy, holy longing and desire for Wales. So if you open up the subject of Wales or Scotland or Ireland or somewhere, I can't stop talking about it. And so I knew that was not going to do any good to just start telling stories. But when they spoke, I've just 
immediately felt like an alert. And, uh, and I just said this before. I, hadn't even, I didn't have time to process it. He said, what do you think God is saying? I said, well, uh, help me with this, darling. You might, you might have to. I said, there's a, what, what kind of fire? I said, a refiner's fire. I said, there's a refiner's fire coming. And I want you to know that, that when God sends a refining, re, refining fire, it purifies and leaves holiness in, in its wake. He said, but when the devil comes and brings the fire, it'll always bring destruction and loss and pain. And I said, I see a fire coming. And all I can tell you is right now, I know that Bob Jones used to always tell us when we see like hurricanes and storms and earthquakes and that kind of stuff. When you see that stuff, that means he has also given you authority to take the numbers out of the storm. So if you see an earthquake in the spirit or you see a, a, a fire or a disaster, you have the authority to respond and take the, take the numbers out of that tragedy. And so I said, I, well, let's just pray right now. And we just started praying in the spirit around the table there in, the, in, the, in this hotel dining room. And we're just praying in the spirit and, and, and we, until the release came. And I said, listen, I don't know what this is about, but you better engage your intercessors and you better engage them quick because there is something really serious. And, and we spoke to that a minute. And, you, and we don't need intercessors that are position-minded. We don't need intercessors that are looking to, to mandate policy on some church craziness. And we're not looking for intercessors right now that will question. We're looking for intercessors that will stand and intercede with truth and combat this thing. And, and so you, you can feel the weightiness and the seriousness of that. And so, but we felt like we had a release. And so we, we got up, left breakfast, go get on the boat. We're on this big old boat coming out of the harbor there and we go right out to sea and uh, 30 minutes within 30 minutes of us sitting there at that word, giving that word within 30 minutes the, ref the largest refinery in Great Britain is in Milford Haven it's across over there in Pembroke and all of a sudden a fire breaks out a refiner's fire broke out and it set an al alarm in motion, they had to evacuate 5,000 men, they couldn't get it stopped and the reason they knew the details of this is because the pastor's wife's brother is the head of security at the thing, and they had to evacuate 5,000 out of there. Think about this. A small town like that loses 5,000 sons, 5,000 brothers, 5,000 fathers. The devastation and the pain would be carried as a marker upon that culture for how long would that disaster be, the centra central focus of what the enemy and his destruction was able to do. Okay? You've got one of those coming. So we take the numbers out of it. We take the disaster out of it. We take the destruction out of it. And we declare the delight of God into it. And this joyful sound, not the sound of disaster, a joyful sound. We know, we are a people that we know the joyful sounds. Now, every person saved, not one person. Look, the, the fire was brought under control. Everything was, everything, and they said it was really miraculously shut down and brought under control, and there were no deaths. 
Now, that's not because some hillbilly got a prophecy right. That's because God had people sitting there positioned in a place that they would say, well, this don't even make sense to the natural mind or whatever. Let's go after this. You know, uh, it may not make sense to the natural mind to line a bunch of guys up here and put our arms together and let's declare the word of the Lord. But I'll tell you what, truth is, doesn't have to make sense to the natural mind. It does not have to make sense to our Greek logic. It has to make a sensory system in our spirit come alive to a truth and engage with that reality. Eight years ago, I was, uh, they told me I was dying. And the reason I was dying is I had a lung disease. You're dying. All right? And I started going through all of the emotion of dying. I had to start trying to figure out what death was going to look like. That can become a, a dark thing that you're fighting. I had to start walking around that knowing that I just had a brand new little grandson, my very first grandson, Guthrie, was born. And now I'm realizing that he's going to know about me, but he was, he's never going to know me. I'm dying. And then uh, one night on the phone, uh, while, while my daughter, Ramey, powerful worship woman of God, she's, uh, we're talking on the phone at one o'clock in the morning, and she's up nursing my little grandson. And she says, Daddy, I think Guthrie is being born as a part of your healing. And I think God's going to give a strategy that's going to, that's going to carry your healing. And I said, yeah, you know, honey, I, I, I felt like the Lord spoke to me that, that, I'm, that if I'll start singing again, that the singing will carry my healing. And I hadn't sung in a long time because I get wrapped up in ministry stuff, you know. And, uh, and uh, I said, uh, I said, I think, and she says, I do too. And Guthrie's name means strong breath, strong voice. And I, I said, I, said I, I agree, darling. I, I, you know what? I'm going to just agree with that word, what you just said. I think, and, and while we were talking, I got a text. I think I told you all about this at the tent one time. Maybe I didn't. I got a text from my doctor at 1.30 in the morning. He just happened to be up doing some research, and he felt like he should text us, wherever I am in the world, when I wake up, I'll get this. And the, the doctor said, while we're talking, he said, there is something that is known in the medical world uh, as PEEP. And in the what's pulmonary medicine has discovered that PEEP, which is post-expiratory extended pressure, is the best thing that you can do for the alveoli in your lungs. It causes them to uh, fill in, in spite of their crystallization in your lungs. And it's called post-exciter pressure. And he said, down at the bottom, he said, that's just a college word for singing. <laughs> and I said, remember that? And I, and I said, Ramey, look what the doctor, and, and, and I and I forwarded that text to her. And we both sat there on the phone. She's nursing the next generation. And suddenly, one little truth became real enough that I, I and it didn't make it easy. You know, Rod can tell you, there's a lot of people all over this room. Sometimes it's about our endurance until the faithfulness of God begins to come. But I just stepped into a sense of endurance, carrying a hope. In that truth, I began to walk forward, and I kept traveling, doing what I was doing. Airplanes bother me, all that. We get, get to Israel, 
And while we were in Israel, we're, I'm having to climb these places and all that. I didn't have enough wind to climb anything. And But I remember we had to go through this cave and climb up this thing. We, we took 200 worshipers to Israel and to have a worship gathering underneath the Temple Mount. We had bands and musicians from all over the world. Underneath the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which is the last place you would have heard Davidic worship, we're bringing the nations to let it be heard in the place where they cursed the worship and took God's people into Babylonian captivity. And we go back there. And, and while we're in Jerusalem, uh, we, we go to one of these sites where we're going to sing on top of this mountain. And you have to go through like these tunnels. And these are manned, hewn, hewed out tunnels in the rock. And that's when I rem- while I was walking through that tunnel, I remembered that back in the, App- in the Appalachian Mountains, there was a fellow named Claude Ely. And Claude Ely was a little boy that was dying of a disease at 12 years old. His daddy was a coal miner, and his mama took in laundry. And they told him he was dying. And I was walking through, we were having to sit for a while in this cave before we had to do another climb to another level. We were sitting there, and I was thinking about the coal mines of the Appalachian Mountains, and I was thinking about this whole story. While I was sitting there, now, you know Claude Ely. I've told you the story about him. Claude Ely, 12 years old, he's dying, and his mom and daddy have to go to work anyway because they're poor. But every day when they come home, they keep thinking he's getting worse and worse. He's going to get bad enough that we're not going to be able to go to work. We're going to have to stay with him. And every day when they would come, they would wonder if he was going to be all right. And they got out of their old car and walked up on the porch, and they heard something in the house. And this 12-year-old little boy laying on his deathbed, they heard him say, Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down, which is the sound of the mountains. It's literally the melodies and the sound of the land. And he took the melodies and the sound of his culture and turned it into a song of proclamation unto his own body at 12 years old. Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. And you know what? Claude did not die. And God raised him up off of his deathbed. And he became one of the most well-known, famous evangelists in those mountains. And he had an old D-28 Martin guitar and an old Harmony guitar. He'd bang on that thing say, ain't no grave. Well, the old women would beat on tambourines and shout. And they'd fill those old tent meetings and Pentecostal meetings full of it says as long as he could hold a note, they would shout and smack a tambourine. And, they, and it would release the sound of joy in the mountains. See, they knew a joyful sound is going to come from the very, the joyful sound is going to come out of the place where the enemy set the, the minefields of strategy in the past. And you rise above it in a declaration and a prophetic song that determines your future rather than the poison of what the enemy was trying to do to kill you. Are you hearing me? I'm sitting in a cave in Jerusalem, or, or outside of Jerusalem, with all these worshipers there. And I'm thinking, there is no way in the world I can get to the top of this mountain. There's no way in the world I can get up, out, get up there to where we're going to do this worship. And, the, and there was a Welshman out in front of us. There was a Welshman in this thing. His name's John Powell, one of my dearest friends in the whole world. And I, and, and I heard, way out as everybody was moving out and going on, he hollered back and said, Ray, you know how Welshmen talk. He said, 
You coming, man? And I got up, and I just started walking. I said, I'm coming. He said, ta-da. And, I'm, and I start walking up. When that grade gets about like this, I start realizing, you know, I, I don't. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. I sung that song all the way to the top, all the way out, singing all the way out. Ain't no grave going to hold. And, of course, it's not the Molly's version. It's, you know, Molly Skaggs just did the, the new version of it. I've known Molly since she was this tall. And uh, her daddy's my, my best friend. And, and we, we raised all our kids together. And, uh, and she's done this powerful new expression of it that you guys sung today. But the old one was the old mountain way. And the old timey way was, Oh, meet me, Jesus, meet me, meet me in the middle of the air. If my wings fail me, I'll just grab another pair. Cause there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Ain't no grave. You know what he did? He found the, the sound of joy. He worship in spite of your weariness. Praise it louder than your pain. And what happens is, is the sound of the joy begins to alert those out there to come alive to truth. Greatest tool of evangelism you have. In Jesus' name, I would pronounce over you today an acceleration of the prophetic, an acceleration of declaration. I'd pronounce over you an acceleration of strategic communication of God's truth that changes things in the natural realm. I speak over you today the awakening of that gift that actually defines what tomorrow looks like, what next year looks like. Somewhere there's going to be a company of prophets that's going to rise up and begin to see that there's more with us than there are against us. There's a company of prophets, of young ones, that are going to rise up, and the Lord is going to open the eyes of those servants that they might really see what's going on. And that's what they're going to sing. They're going to sing truth. They're going to sing what's really going on. They're going to sing what's really going on in the Brexit realm without a political preference. What's going on in the economic realm without prejudice or personal preference, they're going to speak light and life and presence into that, into that day. It won't have to be political. It's going to be far more powerful than the politics of this world. And even when it doesn't make sense to the natural mind, there's going to be declarations of God going forward. And e even those who don't have language for it are going to come into alignment with the truth because it will not be a people that are preaching their personal preferences as if they're convictions of the Holy Spirit and manipulating spirit realm stuff. It's going to be people having carrying pure truth, speaking words of life that know the joyful sound because it's the sound of awakening that's coming to London, England, and the whole world will turn their eyes here to London for a very different reason than they have in generations and generations. There's going to be a new realization. There is a new grace because there is a new king in town. The king of glory is going to open up the gates of this place and we're going to let the king of glory come in. The king of glory come in. King of glory come in. King of glory come in. And the glory of God as a river flowing out into the streets because the king of glory is in his house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name above everything.
In Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? Not as a charismatic thing, but we need to release one show enough shout in this room. In Jesus' name, we're, we're, we're just going to shout our praises. We're not going to put words. We're just going to shout our praises. Shout an expression, a sound of your voice going into this atmosphere. A sound of your voice. It has to be heard, your voice. And you can sit, you can stand, you can lay down, whatever you want to do. But let the sound of your voice say yes to a word that is a, something. That's, yes. Yes. Yes to your word. Yes to your word. Yes to your truth. Yes to your life. Yes. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Father, we receive these words for this house. We receive, we receive, we receive. Bless God, we receive these words. You people have heard me say for months and months, why not you? Why not us? Why not? Father, we receive these words. I said we receive. We receive. We receive this stuff into our spirit. We are your servants. We are yours to call. We, we believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 